Welcome to Arrest Armamix. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you all doing, guys? Are you good? The weather this week is paper sculpture. Very much so. It could only be one thing because we've got the wonderful Gail Armstrong coming up. Good episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking 3D paper sculpture, Gail's journey and all the intricacies that come with such a wonderful, mind-blowing style of artwork. So we've got all that coming up for you. I hope you're all good. I hope you're all staying creative. You've been up to fun stuff, getting to them events, getting networking, putting yourself out there, sharing all the weird little quirks that you've all got, whether you like to have it or not. Yeah, because we're all about embracing that on Arrestonomix. So we've got Gail coming up. First, a little thank you for my wonderful sponsors that keep this show free for you guys every other week these days. I hope that's cool. I hope it's been going well. I think it seems to be going down pretty good. The numbers have been good. People still having it. I think uh, we've all got busy lifestyles and weekly was getting a little bit too much for me to create the show that often and also for people to digest it. Even the most regular listeners were telling me that they were falling behind by six, seven episodes. So I thought it's time to cull that a little bit. So here we are bi-weekly. Anyway, prattling on again. Um, illustrationweb.com, founding sponsor, my agency. Absolutely awesome people. Really supportive of the industry, doing great work with the Association of Illustrators, who also support this show, the Society of Artists Agents. So go and check them out, representing a hell of a lot of diverse artists uh, and creative practitioners. So you've got hand lettering specialists, you've got set designers, you've got muralists, fashion designers, fashion illustrators. Um, we've got animators, we've got 3D people, we've got wonderful people like Gail Armstrong, who are a paper sculpture specialist. So we've got all that good stuff going on. Uh, they've got an awesome news section on the website that's worth checking out if you want to hear a little bit more about these cool projects that they're doing. So check that out. Uh, but all in all, there you go. Thank you very much to those guys for the ongoing support over two years now supporting the show, illustrationweb.com. Not far behind them, coming on board shortly afterwards was Heart Internet. Uh, .co.uk and they're awesome people uh, they've been my tech digital sponsor for some time now uh, doing great work to promote Arrestonomics sharing the, the, the work of the people that I've got on the show the people connected just good advocates of uh, artistic talent basically they're wonderful uh, go and have a look they do awesome hosting domain names um, tech support so they do you know search engine optimization, getting your ass up Google all that stuff <laughs> uh, I thought I'd give a little tip this episode um, uh, it's just about taking a little bit of care over the presentation of your work I think Gail's an awesome example of somebody who presents her work to its fullest uh, I've got a little glimpse into her studio the way she lights the way she professionally photographs her own work but the way she's taught herself to do that properly using a good camera taking care of all the detail it really does go a long way I've seen this going on I've seen lazy presentation also on people's websites and it, it lets it down a little bit. I think sometimes when you get crummy low-res images of, of beautiful pieces of work, it, it loses what's there. You know, you've got this awesome work that hard work's gone into. And if you're promoting that sloppily, sorry, presenting that sloppily, then it just kind of loses a lot of that effort that's gone in. So take great care. Have a look at the variation in which you're presenting yourself. Are you showing things in contexts? Are you leaving some things open to the viewer interpretation because I know that a lot of art directors from experience like to envision how they see the work working. So, you know, at the same time, some people are busy in a mad rush and they like to be given suggestions. You know, if they see a cool book cover, they might want to commission a book cover off the back of that, for example. So it's good to get the variation uh, and get the good presentation when you're putting your work out there on social media. So that's the tip this month. 
this week. Oh my God, my head's gone. <laughs> From heartinternet.co.uk, wonderful sponsor. Thank you to those two. Ongoing support. Thanks again, like I said, to the Association of Illustrators. Uh, the World Illustration Awards 2018 submissions is now closed, but there are a lot of other cool competitions going on out there. So get your ear to the ground. Go and have a look. Get yourself in there. You never know what might come of it and who might see your work off the back of it. I don't think it's necessarily about having the awards. I don't think it makes that much difference. But I think it's cool to to get the exposure that comes from such things, from getting down to the event, from getting your work presented uh, at these, you know, the exhibitions uh, and all the stuff that comes with winning an award. I think there are definitely many benefits from it. So get yourself onto whatever's going on out there. Go and have a look. Uh, you don't have to look too far these days beyond Google to find out what is going on. So all of that stuff, what have you all been up to? What have you been checking out? Um, I know Malcolm Garrett's got a show coming up uh, in a couple of months' time with GF Smith down in London at their show space. I'm going to get myself down for that, I think. Very exciting stuff. Talking to Malcolm about possibly doing a show. Bit of a legend in the graphic design world, so that's exciting for me and I hope for you guys too. Um, so without further ado, what's going on today? Gail Armstrong is very much going on. Uh, a wonderful lady, I met her at my agency at an exhibition that they had not long after I'd signed with them. And her work is kind of, it's hard to digest just the, the sort of majesty and, and the impact it has. The 3D paper sculpture is it's one hell of a talent. It's a real craft. I know some people are very keen to point out the difference between makers and craftsmen. I think craftsmen take a certain level of hours. They say 10,000 hours. Pretty sure that Gail surpassed that, and it's really wonderful stuff. So the range of projects she's got, go and have a look at her website over at illustrationweb.com forward slash Gail Armstrong. Um, we're going to talk about the origins of that sculpture, the level of detail that goes in, the presentation, as I mentioned. We're going to talk about uh, gathering confidence. So Gail used to work in graphic design as she would commission artists, and that gave her a great insight once she got into illustration. And that came off the back of a workshop, which she's going to tell us about. So studying graphic design and not quite knowing which direction to take. Her eyes were opened when someone came and did a paper sculpture workshop, and she found she had a natural talent for it. So there's an interesting point to be made there with the whole nature versus nurture. I think nurture is very much a big part, the practice, the hard work to building towards that craft. But I think inherently, these things are already there. They're waiting to be activated. They're waiting to be developed and taken to a place where they're good enough to take to clients and get work in the commercial world and in the artistic world. So it's really um, great insights from Gail Armstrong coming up on today's show, and I hope you're going to take a lot from it. We're going to talk about building to the point of confidence where you 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 were able to call yourself what you want to be seen as. So in, in Gail's case, as an illustrator, it took her time to start saying, yes, I'm an illustrator, and rather than, oh, and I also do this, and this is something I do on the side, you know? I think we people in full-time jobs, first and foremost, call themselves the role that they are in that job, and then they do a bit of illustration on the side. But I think, nah, bollocks. You're, you've put the time in, you've educated yourself, you've got yourself to a point where you have a strong portfolio on brand, so call yourself an illustrator and become it, you know, grow into it. Yeah, so what if you work in a full-time job? Maybe that's just something that's financing the long game and what you're truly passionate about and what you're going to come on to, you know, to become. So, you know, I think it takes time to build up to that and Gail's going to talk about that also today. So there's a lot going on and I hope you enjoy the episode. So do go and check it out. I want to hear your feedback at Arrest on the Mix on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, get the conversation going on there. It's been really great recently. There's a lot more people talking and joining the discussion about each episode. Thank you to Sham Muragaya of Studio Muragaya. He was awesome on episode 102. 
Uh, awesome feedback and great numbers, uh, unsurprisingly to me, because I've had the benefit of sh- spending some time with Sharman hearing his awesome story and seeing his work. So go and check that one out if you missed it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please do leave me a little review if you get a moment. It really helps the show and helps get it over to people who are on the fence. I know there's a lot of design podcasts out there, so if you want to support this one, go and do that. Please drop me a little review on the Apple Podcasts. Um, otherwise, soundcloud.com forward slash rest all mimics and also available on um, Stitcher. Also, sorry, I forgot myself for a moment there. So, yeah, cheers to all the awesome previous guests. You can check out the archive anytime, indulge yourself while you're in the studio on that train, on that bus, in the hairdressers. Not everybody wants barbershop banter. I love it, but it's not for everyone. <laughs> so, get me in your ears while you're having them trimmed and lowered. <laughs> I think without further ado, it's time to get to the show. Um, quick thank you again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk. Uh, drop us that feedback. And here we go with Gail Armstrong. This is you then. What's going on? What's going on at the minute? Where, where, where do we find you? Um, well, I'm um, in Lewisham. Um, uh, lovely Lewisham. Very nice, edgy part of Lewisham, but bordering on uh, Broccoli, which is very full of, sort of creative types. So. Yeah. I can go down the road to Lewisham Shopping Centre or up the road to the park and great views over London. Nice, very um, nice. Yeah. Are, you, are you from London? No, no, I'm from Sheffield originally. Of course you are, you've got, we've, yeah, you've told yeah, me this before. Yeah, <laughs> Sheffield born and bred but with Scottish parents and then um, off to Glasgow School of Art for my training. Yeah. And then at the end of that, came down here for a job really. Yeah. Were you, uh, how was... Well, let's, I, always go, I always like to know the sort of the very early roots. Like, were you from a creative family? Were you creative? No, yeah. no. My, my dad was a doctor. And my mum was a nurse. And that's how they met. Um, and uh, my, my urge to go into art really came from the drive to school from five years old. We used to go past um, Sheffield Poly, the art college. Oh, yeah? So I'd see all the cars and things in the car park, but the people taking great big sculptures out the back and great big portfolios and the wild hair and this and the other. Yeah. And so just going past every day. And I do remember asking my mum what it was. And um, uh, she told me this is where people go after school if they want to do art. And I was like, I want to go there. Yeah. And I had the most amazing art teacher um, going through school who I've tried to track down, but obviously you know she's not on social media or anything mm. anymore I don't even know if she's still alive but um, uh, yeah she was absolutely brilliant and just um, that was what pushed me through um, having a great art teacher all the way through school really mm. um, and you know my dad didn't really quite understand why I wanted to do art because I'm quite academic as well um, and I did overhear him once uh, when I was about to do my foundation course at Sheffield Poly. Um, I overheard him saying, oh yes, she's going to do a foundation course. We're just going to let her get out of his system and then she'll go on to uni and do something proper. <laughs> like, system. I've heard that before and I've, I've had to restrain myself. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, if, you know, my A-levels are in such a diverse um, combination and there's no mm. lots of logical process other than into the arts so yeah, yeah there's never no you know, there's no way I was not going to be in the arts yeah it's really interesting isn't it yeah it's like you know I mean my, my parents drew and things and you know that it was but it was other activation points for me I don't know in terms of sport was always a great a big mm. driver and then getting through video games it's like you start to think about who makes this stuff and who comes up with this narrative and what's the creative behind that you yeah know? all of a sudden it takes years but it did for me to sort of pick up on um 
is there a job? Is this someone's job to make this? Because someone has to do it, you know. And uh, yeah. did you have things like that along the way? Any um, moments? Uh, kind of everything that I did as a child kind of led through to what I do now. Because I was the kid that used to make all the things on Blue Peter, or I would make all the clothes <laughs> my doll. So, so, so much of how I um, work with paper comes from how you would make clothes. When it, certainly when I first started, mm. I was almost dressmaking the jackets in paper. Um, on the figures and things like that, um, but you know, I I collected stationery and carrier bags. I was always interested in the graphic side of things. Wow. So it all kind of led through, but I didn't really know what I was doing. It was only when you look back. I used to collect paper dolls and little dressing up dolls. And had carrier bags full of them, all stowed away in the attic for years mm. and years before I could bear to throw them all away. Um, but um, ballet was the other big thing that I was really driven towards and for a while I did want to be a ballerina mm. uh, but then again it was the visual aspect of it the look I had a look of how everyone was yeah and you know the, the scenery the costumes and all that side of things mm. um and my granny was very encouraging actually because she she did want to go to art school um and I've actually got a couple of drawings framed in the house somewhere but uh you know she it just wasn't acceptable in that age and stage so when she knew that I wanted to go you know she mm. was she was so happy that somebody else was doing it for oh, her if you yeah, like yeah yeah that's really lovely yeah <laughs> and so what are the origins of, of the paper cut and, and kind of getting becoming an illustrator like what what uh, what were your steps towards, towards well us? um the course that I did at Glasgow was um, graphic design, illustration and photography and you could specialise in one or all, well just one or all three of them um, and when I was in foundation course um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do but I did know that I wanted security and mm. um, so I hadn't done my illustration workshops yet. <laughs> But uh, it just sounded like something that I, I could do because I always seen myself as being a painter, really. Um, so when I went onto the course at Glasgow, I thought it was going to do illustration. Um, but by the time I came out the other end, I was really a graphic designer. But in between that, they got a lot of um, people in to come and do workshops with us. And someone just came to do a workshop in paper sculpture. They did a lecture and then they did um, set a brief um, and were there for the day. And then they came back a week later to critique it. Mm. Um, and it was just like I had found my medium. Um, it, it just felt natural to me to work in paper and I could just have an image and I just knew how to make it three-dimensional and work in paper. Wow. Um, so it was uh, one of those things where I just kept trying to twist the briefs to suit the paper and try, yeah. you know, so if it's a packaging brief, I'd be looking at interesting construction of the package as well as the surface graphics wow. and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but when I left Glasgow, because um, I did a degree there under postgraduate, and when I left, I really, you know, that security thing again, I worked as a graphic designer, so it very much went on the back burner. Mm. But uh, just with occasional people tracking me down through my um, degree shows, infiltration shows at Glasgow, just giving me the old commission. Oh, really? Or the company that I was working for, Small Back Room, occasionally I'd do something for them. If there was no budget for an illustrator, I would do it, and generally in paper. Wow. Um, and then uh, 1990, recession hit, uh, huge redundancies at the company, and to sort of thrown out into the void with no 
no markets, no mm. natural progression of what to do next. So it's a case of scrabble around and try to make a living. So all the security blankets are gone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, primarily I was freelancing as a graphic designer, but I'd also um, I got to know Jackie Figgis quite well through commissioning her illustrators whilst I was a designer. Um, and she, I showed her my paper sculpture work just to say, do you think there's a market for this? Do you think? you know, it'd be any good, and she said, tell you what, I'll put it in our general portfolio, and we'll just see how it goes, and I never got a commission through her, she had it, she had me in her portfolio for a year, but it gave me the confidence to put together a portfolio and go out for myself and start doing it, um, and just gradually over time, um, you know, the balance between the graphics, illustration, and um, mm. teaching, because I was lecturing two days a week, um, it, it just got to the point where, um, something had to give mm. um, so I actually went on holiday and whenever people asked me what it was that I did on this holiday I would say to one person I'm a graphic designer another person would say oh, I'm a lecturer another person would ah, say oh, I'm an illustrator okay. and I saw for myself how comfortable I was saying it and just sort of you know, wait and see which one yeah. I said the most and when I came back from that holiday I was like right okay I'm going to start turning down the graphics commissions yeah I love the teaching, get a lot out of it, and I'm going to just be an illustrator. So, yeah, yeah it was one of those, you know, I had to make a bargain with myself and, and stick with it. And it was really hard when, you know, if there's no illustration work coming in. It's and a bold decision. Yeah. It always is. Yeah. Oh, so many people ask me, what, at what point? I don't feel confident in saying, you know, I'm doing illustration commissions outside of my job, but I don't feel confident. <laughs> For God's sake, say you're an illustrator, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't say I'm doing this, but I also do illustration. It's like, that's when people go, oh, so it's your hobby then, and it's like, yeah. no, go with it, run with it, and you'll become, for them, that's me, so yeah, but I had a, it was a similar thing again, though, after I had kids, because, I, you know, I spent so much time staying at home, and again, there was a sort of lull in the market, and the commissions also dried up, I wasn't yeah. going out of the portfolio anymore, mm. and it got to the point where, I, th- I think there was one year... I invoiced £500 the entire year wow. as an illustrator and yeah. I wasn't picking up a pencil or doing anything um, and just think, can I say I'm an illustrator anymore? <laughs> but, uh, In and out, yeah. Like yeah. At, the minute, I, at the minute I'm not, but I do illustration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, there, was there an aspect, did it give you an insight in, you said you were commissioning people uh, when you were working as a graphic designer, did that give you an insight into the commissioning process and uh, approaching absolutely. people? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And the feedback I get from people generally is that, um, you know, it, it, if they've given a really good brief, then I don't have very many questions. Um, but if, if it's a slightly vague brief, I know the questions to ask in order to mm. find out what it is exactly they or their ultimate client are after. Um, or, you know, um, uh, clients who, you know, the deadlines move, or the clients change their mind halfway through, or something's happened. I've got a much better understanding and a much better anticipation. Mm. I, I feel I can get a sense of something that's about to hit before it does, and can accommodate right. it better. Um, but um, feedback from clients is that um, they quite enjoy working with me. And I think that's that's why I, I do quite well for repeat work, mm. uh, and I think that's why I think because I can talk to them, you know. Um, on, you know, I understand completely where they're coming from. Speak basically. the language, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and understand the sort of stresses and yeah. yeah. I have this knack of I worked on a couple of films, independent, really zero budget, minus budget films. You know, it's <laughs> that kind of yeah. level. But what it did give me is a sense of the terminology, 
Um, yeah. Therefore, if I get illustration queries now about, let's say, because I've, I've gone for a couple of adverts where they wanted someone painting on a big canvas, whatever the brief is for this TV advert, yeah. it's like, I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that, we can cheat the shot. And I'm like dropping all these little like industry yeah. words going, <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. And, and, and it does make their life easier. Yeah, it does. If you can do that, do it. It's know? that shortcut, isn't it? You know, yeah. yeah, they don't have to educate you, understand, and you can just get on with dealing with it. Yeah. 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 I was just thinking of the office, David Brent, like when they come in to take like crappy industry magazine photo, and he's like, You're going to do a light reading? Like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're like, um, No, we'll just do, do it on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said then about um, sort of getting, the, I guess, a moral nod with the paper sculpture in terms of you were in this portfolio and on the, on the mm. books, so to speak. What? Are you doing this? Have you been doing this stuff all the time? Did you have, did you have a, a portfolio ready to go? Um, did you? Go it around? was a, it was a cobbled together thing, yes. Mm. But I had no, I had some work from from Glasgow. Um, uh, you know, whenever we got to do a self motivated brief, I got you know a cityscape that I did in paper and a jungle, and a, so I had a variety of things. Um, but uh, you know, the first. Um, illustration commission that I got was actually through someone that I was freelancing for and then the second was for someone that I was freelancing for because I'd be showing them oh and I also do this and quite often um, you know for example I was um, uh, working for one company and they were doing um, recycled note paper stationary pads and things so um, they said okay but can you come up with a, a paper sculpture solution for that as well and that ended up being the one I went through so I got the illustration commission and because it was mine they got me back in to do the freelance work as well yeah. so one thing for a long time was feeding the other mm-hmm. so it was it was quite a nice overlap that's mm. really um, you know that so what you must have come across I mean, what was was there something in this question? How's the best way for us? What this even now strikes me as a standout skill as a quite something quite unique. And I mean, I know that there are people who can do paper sculpture, but this isn't pen and ink, or this isn't um, no, it, vectors. Yeah, but it is just another medium. Oh, of course. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's what people forget. I mean, a lot of my commissions for many, many years, there was a reason why they were using paper, like the recycled paper, mm. um, and and. You know, when I started, we're talking pre-internet, so most of the um, commissions were UK-based, very rarely from anywhere else. Mm. And um, as far as I'm aware, there were only five of us in the country commercially working in paper. Oh, wow, okay. So, it, you know, <laughs> if, if someone was looking for someone who worked in paper, you know, I had a one in five chance that they were going to come to me for it. Yeah. So that was hugely to my advantage. Yeah. Now with the internet, you know, you can go to anyone, anywhere in the world that's yeah. working in paper. But I still think we all have our own distinctive styles. Mm. Um, and over time, uh, you know, people have come to me not just for paper sculpture. They've come to me for the illustration content yeah. or for both. Mm. I mean, it, it, you do always get people who um, almost treat you, they come with a ready-formed idea and they really want you to stick quite rigidly yeah. with it, possibly because their client can't stray from what they've seen they, they need that security mm. so you're you're working, working more or less as a sort of a technician yeah. and just adding a bit of finesse onto what's already been mm. um, decided but then other times you're given a complete blank canvas and then this is this is the brief right. can you give us some ideas okay yeah 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 so uh it's right okay right my brains okay and then coming up with lots and lots of ideas and then trying to hone them down to the yeah. right one 
you made me laugh when you said uh, when you said the other five that I just had these visions of all well, five of us doing yeah. that. I had visions of like is it like sort of cartels, you know, do you have a do you have a territory and it's like if you're, if you're seen <laughs> trading in paper in their in their on their patch, they'll never, be retribution. Never got to meet any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Love that idea. But I guess I guess where I was going with it is is that has there been kind of an insecurity on the client's part in terms of okay, this is maybe this is something I might not understand the mechanics of or the process in yeah. terms of how it's yeah. goes from an idea to a finished piece yeah and when I when I first um, communicate with a client I do give them a quick outline of the process and ask them for mm. any questions about how it's going to be and because they're used as illustrations there's two different ways of finishing because um, it used to be in the old days um, that the pieces I quite often would deliver the pieces to the actual sculptures to the client mm. and then they would get it photographed. Over time I managed to persuade them to use my photographer most of the time. But as um, uh, more and more people were expecting digital files and um, my Mac skills improved, now I photograph parts of the overall image myself and I can't put it all together in Photoshop. Right. So sometimes it makes it very versatile for the client now, which the original mm. ones um, that were photographed as a single piece weren't. Now I can give them the pieces in layers, so if they need to extract something for something else, mm. or if they've got to use different formats and they might need to move things around a bit, they can, which before the paper sculpture they need to take lots of photographs yeah. I'd have had to be there actually physically moving the bits yeah. and well, you sold me because I thought that's definitely how it would be you know I did I certainly didn't mm. think that it would be in any way translated to digital editable files yeah no it is it's wow. actually yeah it's very flexible mm, very that's flexible great. that's I mean that's yeah. you know that's a really positive and it works well for me as well because it used to be that the scale of the final piece had to be taken from the smallest I could make one of the details yeah. so if that was a particular flower um, and it was only going to be I needed to make it at two inches high but it only needed to be seen at you know four millimeters yeah crossing my you know, different units there but um, yeah the whole piece might have ended up being um, nine foot long mm. whereas now I can make the pieces at the scale that's most comfortable for all of them and then comp it all together. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so some of them won't work together as a final Im image as a paper sculpture, but they yeah. do as an illustration. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Is it a time-consuming process? And I know that's a how long is a piece of string question in, uh, in a lot of respects. It's, it's, it's slow and time-consuming because, you know, you can only work as fast as glue will dry. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of fiddling, um, it's, it's a lot of neck ache and neck strain, um, mm. but uh, you know, I, have to, I have to start with the drawing always, and that's, you know, the client yeah. sees that and approves that, and that's why we do most of the fiddling around of the composition and the mm. detail and things. Um, and then I use that as a template to then make the paper sculptures from. Um, but uh, if I'm doing, if it's something, for example, that's, you know, someone's long flowing locks of hair, I'm going to be spending a lot of time being a hairstylist. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there is, a, there is a lot of making it, putting it together and mm. then scrapping it and then making it again. Wow, yeah. Is that, you must have sort of walk out moments like I have to get away from this. Yeah, yeah, there are, <laughs> there are. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And some of my line drawings are like 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> The worst is when you think you've had a good day and it's been a long day and it's a late night to bed and you get up in the morning and look at what you did and go, that's rubbish, oh I'm going to have to gosh. do it all again. <laughs> oh. 
And most clients good in respect of the pricing and, and um, you know, like you said there about the flowing locks and the time, time consuming. Mm. Do you find there's a lot of negotiation in terms of, okay, we can meet that price point if we do X, Y, and Z? Yeah, I mean, this is where um, you guys at Illustration are so fantastic because I'm really uncomfortable dealing with money. I really don't like Most it. Most of us are. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm terrible at chasing it as well. Um, but, um, you know, the more I do, the, the more sense I have of what a particular thing is worth. And, you know, I've worked with illustration for many, many years. So mm-hmm. um, they know me well enough to, you know, sometimes I'll just get a, um, I'm going to pass this on to you because I told the client that I would. Uh, and this is the job, and you just think they know that I'm going to turn around and say no to this. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I do gauge every job on its own merit. Oh, exactly. And I, you know, um, I quite often have people who are surprised that I do editorial work. Mm-hmm. They're saying, "Aren't you too expensive for editorial work?" But I love doing editorial work um, because. Um, they're the clients generally that let you push things a little bit further. They're more willing to take risks because next month it's going to be a different magazine. Yes. Um, so they're willing to try things, and if you know, if it didn't work, but it, it they they give me leeway that you know a big advertising campaign mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily. So, you know, the, the lower pay of editorial versus the high pay of advertising, yes. you know, it's every job has its own merits and yes. you judge that, the job on those merits. So true, it's so true. And, and like you say about, the, I think it's great that they still ask because there might just be that one thing that yeah. you might feel strongly about that subject yeah. matter or it may be a gateway to something that then you really want to do where you can Absolutely. see the links. It was editorial work that let me change over to the digital. You know, yeah. up until that point, everyone was adamant that they needed it photographed. Mm. But, you know, did one job for an editorial later yeah. yes another couple of months later they said yes and then suddenly you got enough to actually say this is the way I work or you can have a photographer yeah. but keep it cheaper because you won't have a photographer's cost if you could work this way yes and it means I can photograph as I go along I don't have to take time out mm. to go to a photographer's studio it, it, it's just a much more efficient way of working absolutely yeah. I, I, I agree I agree and, and I don't have you had I've had a, a sort of string of important art directors along the way and it was it was Lucinda Rogers when I had her on the show who raised the, the crucial importance of good art directors and why they need to continue mm. being dedi- you know dedicated art directors not just sort of a designer who's doing it because the, the you know the purses, purse strings are being tightened you know it's like yeah. I had some great big like Roger Brown at the Guardian I had Doug from When Saturday Comes my first client football magazine right. saw the very early forms of the kind of slightly unfinished slightly mistake driven style yeah. and really kind of worked with me on that and called me up and said let's try pushing this aspect of it and it opened my eyes from an inexperienced point of view if you yeah. have those relationships with art directors over the years? I have, I have, and w- one of the key things in my career was actually um, Christiana Neves at JWT um, uh, with the Kleenex campaign, um, and that was a career maker. Mm. I've not looked back since that one campaign. Fantastic. And you know, um, I've spoken to him since, and he said it, it made his career as well. You oh, know? really? Yeah, yeah, it just... It, and, and the job itself, you know, it won, it won um, I'm just looking because there's a printout over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, uh, it won um, uh, uh, two gold lions and one bronze at Cannes. Oh, uh, wow. Can. Look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it really was a cream maker. So suddenly everyone was seeing my work. Yeah. And I was just getting, 
commissions left, right and centre. It was amazing. Mm. And then that's, I guess, this, I guess this underlines Lucinda's point in that this is, it's brilliant, isn't it? I, mean, I don't yeah. know about you, but I grew up admiring whether it was that album cover or that yeah. campaign for whatever it may be. You know, there were flattery. I mean, I was lucky enough to have Sir John Hegarty on the show and mm. uh, he, he was a guy who kind of, you know, they questioned his sanity at, um, at BBH when he right. said, we want to cast this French musician's yellow puppet as the head, the new face of Levi's after a string of like globally successful campaigns. Yeah. When we don't want a couple in a Roman story, I want this yellow puppet, you know, do something mm. illegal. And everyone's like, right, he really has lost it this time. <laughs> but you really admire those, those standout things that just grab your attention, you know, when you're growing up. Even yeah. now, it's like, I look at something and it makes me hungry to go and find the person I can work with to do something that at least I yeah. believe is successful. Yeah, it's know. like a feeling in your gut, it's like, oh, I really want to be a part of that, I want to be like that. Yeah, <laughs> it, just, it almost renews your spirit for X amount of time longer yeah. when you see these things, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so what have you, I mean, you mentioned the Kleenex one there, what, what are other standout projects that you've worked on, favourite stuff? Um, uh, Sogo in uh, Hong Kong, the big department store in Hong Kong, that was a really nice one. That, mm. and that, that was one where I'm quite competitive <laughs> and it was one, one where I had to pitch for the job. But I had been saying that I wanted to do something, I, I'd gone through a whole series of doing a lot of cars and like a lot of blokey images if you like. And I was thinking, I'd really like to do something quite girly and fashiony for a while. Mm. Um, so this uh, commission, um, to the pitch came along, and um, it was to do one image that they could then extract lots of different things from, and it would be all around the store um, for their anniversary. It's an annual thing that they, they do. So I'd seen what they'd done in past years and things, and I just thought, do you know what? This time, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And... Um, they, the, uh, the, the pitch was only like £100 or something, I can't remember what it was. Um, so it was a low amount, but it's because, no, I'm going to put aside the entire week and I'm just going to do this, because even if, you don't, if I don't win it, I'm going to keep on doing this illustration and finish mm. it off for me. I want it. And um, they didn't change it greatly from the very first visual, so that was fantastic. Um, and uh, so then I made it, and then they came back and said, oh, could you do a film of you making it? Um, so I was like, okay. Um, so I set, set up a camera and you know, did stop motion of me doing the cutouts and yeah. things and um, bits of video footage of me rifling through drawers of paper. I watched and, it. Oh, you seen it's it? Really good. It's really, I was really impressed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Uh, that was my first attempt at filmmaking. <laughs> um, and um, so they did that, and then they said, okay, we're going to show that on TVs right through the store, um, and. Um, we're going to do a, a showpiece window and then they sent me the photos of how they'd used it through the store and it's this massive um, window when um, they just they'd taken parts of the illustration and done them as enormous great flats with the original sculpture they then bought from me as well which uh, had to get framed and shipped over that was in the window along with the tv thing it's just like oh my god this is just a complete showcase for me i really wish i'd been able to go and see it you wow, know? Yeah. So that's another standout one that's there's incredible. loads of them i so loved many. um i loved the i forgot the name of it it was um it was one where you had to chinese children oh yes the hand wash campaign the hand wash that was it yes of course yes what, a, what an awesome juxtaposition of like a full set with yes. a lot of tells about the commission. There's no point in me paraphrasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the two children are actually um, uh, TV celebrities and it's actually uh, it's a worldwide 
campaign for National Hand Washing Day. Right, so, yeah. um, so this um, was actually uh, I can't remember the name of the liquid soap, but this was them piggybacking on the back of the campaign and doing their own ads using mm. these two kids, um, and they had to create. Um, I think it was eight or ten different room sets um, for them to then comp the kids in. They already had taken the photos of the kids, so I had that to work around when I was doing the drawings and things. Um, but it was a ridiculous turnaround on it. And it was one of those jobs where you're so glad you've got an agent. Um, because the agent just kept everyone in check. So I would send through a schedule saying, you know, I need approval on this by 10 a.m. and then I need um, these references by 3 p.m. and then they have an overnight to look at what I'll be doing because I'll provide them this by 9 p.m. Yeah. And it was just one of those, there was no leeway whatsoever. Um, and I think I had two days in which to create <laughs> the paper side of all of those. Um, and get them over. So it was a sort of staggered delivery. They, they had their, they were, they, they had no way of moving their deadline because it had to coincide with National Hand Washing Day. But we made it, and it all went smoothly. It was really good. Incredible, and it looks awesome. Thank you. And, 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 and once again, it sold me completely because I, in my head, this was a full set. This was a, a live. The kids stood no. in it. So I guess that's a compliment to, yeah, to thank you very much. how yeah. it looks. You know how, yeah. how you compose that. What is the biggest? Um, the biggest actual paper sculpture you've done for a job? Uh, well, it's not going to be paper, but I'm working on it now. Um, I answered an open call for artists. Uh, um, must have been December last year. Um, and I've not done that before. I, I've always worked with commission work mm. um, and not really tried to get work as an artist. I've sold pieces or I've had direct commissions. And this was uh, for a lightweight suspended piece to hang in an atrium of a Glasgow business space. Um, so I, I entered this um, re really not knowing what the form was and what was expected from the proposal. Um, and anyway, um, I was shortlisted and they asked me to do a couple more things and then I won it. Um, and because of the sheer scale of it, the, all the models are made in paper, but it's going to be 12 metres high. Whoa. Um, <laughs> and it's reached the stage at the moment where I, there's nothing more I can do. I've got um, a very lovely guy up in uh, Scotland who is going to take my templates and uh, he's done some test pieces for me. He's going to make them in polypropylene and bend and form it according to my templates and then install it. We've reached the point where... Um, everything, the logistics of the instalment have had to be, are all being gone through. They tell me they think they've reached a solution and now it's all going for budget approval. So as soon as that happens, I can do the final design of the whole piece. Brilliant. It's all inspired by Aurora Borealis and um, Nordic oh, wow. landscapes. Yeah, and so, that sounds incredible. Yeah, so it's not a figurative at all, it's quite abstract. Yeah. Mm. Do, you, uh, do you do a lot of your, of your own work and, and, and personal things? And you mentioned competitions there, right? Mm. I know so many artists who are so talented but feel very trapped by a heavy workload and, and unable to pursue their own kind of creative soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have so many projects on the back burner. It's unbelievable. I mean, my New Year's resolution was that this year I was going to finally finish the book that I started, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. Wow. Uh, I haven't, haven't gone back to it at all. So I haven't got very long left of this year. 
But um, yeah, yeah I, I do enter um, competitions, but I actually find I tend to do better when somebody else selects for me and or when a client has put something in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily um, me that's putting things forward. So that's actually quite nice. Um, yeah. And um, uh, the agents at Illustration, they do push for you to put things forward for mm-hmm. competitions and things. And it's a little voice in your ear going, so it's better having somebody else's voice in your ear telling you to do something than your own because you can just bat yours aside. Yeah. But the guilt, that you've got to turn around and say to somebody else, I haven't done it. It's uh, <laughs> I'd rather not have to do that. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that's really cool. So what's, uh, you got any exciting things coming up aside from aside from the competition? Um, actually, no, it's quite quiet at the moment, um, but I've just gone through a madly busy time. Mm. So I'm, I'm quite pleased about that. So um, unless something comes in, I will start working on the book because I would like to try and, and get that further along. I've yeah. got one illustration half finished. The whole thing's written. Oh, wow, okay. Um, but uh, this was one of my things that I did when I was... Um, I'm not sure if I can still call myself an illustrator. Because <laughs> you lose confidence if you're not yeah. doing it anymore. Um, so I, I had to go back to life drawing classes to get my drawing skills back because mm. I was so rusty. And I didn't feel confident enough to actually... Um, you know, say to anyone that I could still do what I did because I hadn't done it properly for yeah. so long. I was worried about meeting deadlines. Yeah. So this is why. And it doesn't take long, does it? Either the thing yeah. with that is, I, I went through the last quiet spell I went through. Uh, I can't remember how long ago, not too long ago, but it was uh, six weeks, and I, I had a great. By this point of experience, I got my head around the idea that I should now be using this time because otherwise I'll be mourning when I get busy again. Yeah, that yeah. I didn't catch 22. But by the time the commission started to come back in again, I got the fear. I was like, oh, somebody else wants me to do something. I know, like, it's really quite stressful. Yeah, come really out of the is. cave and can you do it anymore? It's, yeah. it's a very real thing you hit upon. Like a lot, it is. A lot of guests flag up imposter syndrome as well, especially when they're starting yeah. out that they don't belong in this world because they're surrounded by all these greats online and Instagram, you know? I know, I know. It's, it's <laughs> tough. But the other thing, though, about not doing it for a while is sometimes... You, you, you realise you've actually been falling back on tricks and old and bad mm. habits and actually when you come back and see things with a fresh eye um, it, it can actually be quite beneficial as well yeah. it can actually push you forward oh very much so yeah. Yeah, that's one thing with, I don't know about you but with the, the more I do this the more I'm in this industry the more that I start to understand that there's double sides to everything yeah. and you have to get used to looking at the positive for the most part we all have spells where it's like doing, you know hate yeah. this industry today yeah <laughs> but for the most part my brain has become more and more trained to kind of go this will pass it's real now but it will pass yeah. do not yeah. make any rash decisions you yeah because even a short deadline it's like it's short it'll be over very soon you know it might, be really, it might be really stressful yeah. I'd like, like to sleep at yeah. some point but <laughs> <laughs> I like you said about editorial you know it's that whole thing that the money's not great but you do get a great freedom so yeah. you always clutch that positive yeah <laughs> brilliant well that's more or less covers what uh, I wanted to talk about. So Lovely. I'll go with the last question that I always ask people, which is the shark in the tank. It's an on-the-spot sort of love-hate, oh, positive and negative this, yes. question. Yeah, everyone does, and I like it because it's, it's always better when people's on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it could be as playful as you want, as serious as you want. It's totally up to you. It's a very wide-open question. Shark in the tank. So I call it that because I, I love Damien Hurst's um, physical, 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 oh, physical impossibility of, the de- of death in the mind of someone living, the big shark. Right. Uh, it just blows my mind the conceptual, but it's a very love hate piece. So right. I call it that because, yeah, I look for a love and a hate. 
Right, so a love and a hate. Or a positive and a negative. Oh, it doesn't have to be heavy or... Oh. Um, uh, I suppose the positive is that I managed to make a living doing something that I really love doing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, and you know, the older I get, and the more you see people who really hate their jobs, they might have a fantastic lifestyle, etc. But one that's just feeding the lifestyle and what they spend the majority of their yeah. time doing is not what they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I really love what I do. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm very privileged that way. Um, uh, but the negative side of it, I think, is uh, possibly isolation. Because it's quite a solitary thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of what I do... I couldn't even have someone in here helping me with it because I have to fiddle it with it to work it out and to know mm-hmm. how it's done. So it's not like I can even have somebody at my side. So, yeah, the Amazon delivery guys all know me. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like they're the only people I speak to in a day. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, brilliant, yeah. That's fantastic, yeah. I think everyone's got their... Um, those that that version their version yeah. of the, the, the person in the, who punctuates the day you know yeah. it's quite, it's quite <laughs> that'd be a good collection wouldn't it that'd be a good collection of uh, everyone's version of that and the yes, delivery really, guys that'd really be a good would. sort of book of yes that would be fantastic <laughs> there you are that's your next project, project. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant uh, yeah well that's fantastic and then lastly where can people look at your work um, I only have one website, which is uh, illustrationweb.com forward slash Gail Armstrong, or they can find my work on Behance, but um, other than that, I don't maintain uh, a website. I am on Instagram, and I am on Twitter sometimes, and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Super, but I'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you very Lovely. much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been great. Nice. <laughs> Cheers to Gail for taking the time to have me here in a wonderful studio. Um, she did an awesome coffee too and had a great time sitting in there. And the best thing was I was doing the very first live show with Brian Grimwood that night in London when we did the show in the afternoon. And I was desperately searching for a tripod because that's how professional I am uh, for my microphone. And lo and behold, Gail lent me a tripod. What a legend. She let me take it and she came down to watch the live episode with Brian Grimwood and then took it home afterwards. So thank you again, Gail, for that. That was a lifesaver. Talk about close to the bone. Jesus. If I do this thing live again, that will not be happening. <laughs> he says now. So there you go. So cheers for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please do get your feedback over on Twitter at Rest All The Mix. On the Instagram on the same handle, uh, share us anywhere else, Facebook and all that. We've got a page on there going on now. So yeah, just spread the love. Let people know the show's going on. We're currently working on a nice poster campaign to, to try and raise awareness and get the numbers even more. It's growing all the time. Uh, you know, we're up to good numbers every week now. We've got a strong fan base and it's really awesome. So it's a great platform to promote great creative work and I think it's a big thing at the moment. I know I've banged on a lot about uh, the government getting it wrong but you know more statistics came out the other week on the BBC about kids not taking creative subjects at GCSE because it's been knocked out of the EBAC which basically means it's undervalued and not valuable as the more academic subjects which I think is wrong because academic subjects are awesome if that's right for that person but I think we need to be very careful about taking care of individuals and who they are and what activates them and what motivates them because maths ain't for everyone nor is English uh, nor is art you know that's cool too this isn't about art, art you know art for artists 
But it's about giving kids the opportunity to find who they are and what they want to do and connecting with that. And I think if we push everyone down one direction, there's great repercussions to come, whether that's mental health because they don't have an outlet, um, denied something they're passionate about. There's a, there's a lot of levels to this, and I'd like to do more on the show about it, so I'm putting things in place for that. So get us your thoughts on any of these topics at Arrest All Mimics on social. Cheers again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and the ever-supporting association of illustrators, the AOI.com. Go and check out their new website. Um, and of course, cheers again to Gail. Go and check out her work, illustrationweb.com forward slash Gail Armstrong. She's also on Behance if you want to go and check on there. We've got some awesome shows coming up. We've got Charles Williams have made up. Uh, we've got Leona Beth coming up in the not-too-distant future. Beautiful watercolour-type artwork. Um... What else is going on? I'm looking to talk to Jane Crowley from Paper Specialist, GF Smith. A bit of a, a refined episode there. But it's all going on. It's all coming up. So keep your ears peeled. Please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop me a little review. Helps a lot. Cheers for checking in, guys. Looking forward to hearing from you all very soon. Take care. Have an awesome couple of weeks. See you in the bed.